0: Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts. It is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome this morning, especially to those who are listening and will be seeing us on YouTube. We welcome back again this morning, Pastor Renzo Ventrice. And we're so thankful that he is able to fill in for Pastor Jim while Pastor Jim's recuperating from knee surgery. So please be in prayer for Pastor Jim yes. that that yeah. time period will be a little shorter than what yes. he's anticipating and that he can be back in the pulpit with us soon. So, Pastor Renzo? I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. First Baptist Church of Coleraine, are you ready to hear the Word of God? It's not not about me, it's all about Jesus. Amen? Amen? Well, I have a birthday to celebrate, and it's not my first birthday. It's my second birthday. It was 44 years ago, almost to the day, that Jesus Christ saved my soul. And I just want to praise Him today in the house of the Lord that he took a wicked, evil, blasphemer like me and sent my dear friend, Pastor Stephen Graham, to share the gospel with me. I'm thankful for uh, Earl Westcott, who prayed for my soul. I thank God for Gil Gardell and uh, how they went back to their congregations and asked God to save a wretch like me. And you know what? The Bible says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much, amen? It doesn't avail a little bit. It avails much. And so we have a God who answers prayer, a God who is willing to save. And I I just remember where I came from. It's always good for us as Christians. It's not becoming of a Christian to be arrogant or haughty. It's becoming of us to remember where we were when Jesus saved our souls. Amen? Amen. So we can have a broken heart for people. Today, we're going to turn to the Word of God. We're going to be going into the Old Testament. Would you kindly open up the Word of God to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to be reading uh, Isaiah's commission. And as we read Isaiah's commission... As we read Isaiah's commission, we need to understand that the Spirit of God, through the songs and the prayers, I sense the Spirit of God moving among us in a deep and powerful way. This just isn't Isaiah's commission. This is our commission. Now, the devil hates when we apply the Word of God to our own lives. Because he would want uh, us to think this is something that happened in 740 BC and has very little to do with us today. But the word of God has everything to do with you and I today here on uh, one week before Palm Sunday in Colrain, Massachusetts. So before we read, we, we pray, Spirit of God, that you would have your way anoint this message to the glory of God and to our Revival and our quickening so that we may reach everyone we know with the gospel. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Amen. Isaiah called to be a prophet. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. I'm in the wrong version. I'll go into back into the NIV. Forgive me. <laughs> Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty." The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew with a live coal in his hand that he taken with tongs from off the altar. With it he touched my mouth. And he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. How many of you thank God your guilt is taken away and your sins are atoned for? Then I heard the voice of the Lord. First I heard the angel. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Father, We thank you so much for the commission that you gave to the prophet Isaiah around the year 740. But God, we've just read your word and we're going to explain it, God. We're going to illustrate it, but most of all, Holy Spirit, you're going to apply it to to our hearts as you took the coal of fire and placed it on the lips of Isaiah. Spirit of the living God, take your word today and place it upon our hearts, God, that upon our hearts would be a fire shut up in our bones, God, that you would return us back to our first love and that you would do a mighty work in our lives today. We ask this in Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen. The title of today's message is A personal revival requires a divine breakthrough. Now, I'm not talking about a revival that we study in Christian history. I'm not talking about going to Northfield and seeing the gravestone of Moody. I did that in 1983, and I I dedicated the rest of my life as a lay preacher to serve Jesus Christ as long as he would give me breath. I love church history, and I'm not boasting. I'm just going to state facts. Of the 1,400 Christians I've met in my life, nobody knows church history better than me except my former pastor, Archbishop uh, Timothy Paul, who uh, is a, an archbishop over a worldwide communion and has earned two doctorate degrees. I love church history, but I didn't, we don't study church history, brothers and sisters. We don't read the Bible to find out about what happened long ago and then just leave it at that. The word of God is given for our instruction and and, and not just reproof, but the word of God should be a fire shut up in your bones. When we read the word of God, it should change our life. It should so set our hearts and minds and wills and emotion on fire that we will never be the same again. And so we are experiencing a a, a truth that even though Isaiah was living for God, Isaiah needed a revival because Isaiah was living in a wicked world. Kind of like the world you and I are living in today. All hell is breaking loose on the world. It's all coming unglued. We just are are coming out of a two-year demonic um, pandemic. And you know what Isaiah needed? Revival. And you and I need a personal revival, but it won't happen unless there's a divine breakthrough. This church, someone told me, was the, uh, was the fruit of the haystack revival that happened probably 25 miles west of here that changed the history of modern missions. And so... Today, many Christians are in need of a life-saving rescue of revival because God broke into our lives and saved our souls. We also must break out of our lethargy in order to accomplish the Great Commission. Listen, and the exact perfect mission that God equipped you to do in this very short period of life. If you've ever gone to the beach and taken your finger, placed the little saliva, and put it on the sand, and looked at the, the molecules or the little bit of uh, grains of sand on your finger. That rep- represents our life. Then you look at the beach, and that's going to be eternity. So what are you and I going to do with this small thing called life? Because it's very, very, very brief. We need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. One of my favorite movies I've ever watched in my life is a Christian movie. Maybe you've seen this movie. It just came out a little while ago. And I watched this movie about four or five times. Every time I watch this movie, I weep like a baby. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever watched a movie that was so profound that it brought you to tears and it gave you an appreciation for what you just saw. I'm not just talking about The Chosen or The Passion or, the, or, or, or Jesus of Nazareth. I'm just talking about or another movie. Have you watched something that happened in time and space, a true story that rocked your world? Let me bring you back seven years to a true story in the life of a 14-year-old boy, and the name of the movie is called Breakthrough. Breakthrough. In St. Charles, Missouri, there was a boy called John. He was born in Guatemala. His parents went on a missions trip and adopted this boy. And this boy was a great basketball player, but he used to cry. And the reason he cried was he was adopted. You know, you and I as Christians are adopted sons and daughters of Christ. And he always had this, you know, even though he was loved by his mom and dad, even though you and I are loved by God like nobody could ever love us, this boy asked the question, why did my mom and dad leave me? Why did they not want me? And so his mother, uh, you know, tried to do everything um, to to get him to appreciate um, their love. Uh, you know, like, God has done everything in, in my whole life, in our whole lives. God has done everything, watch this, to get us to appreciate him. Like, like to be unhinged for him. Kind of like, you ever been to, to the... You ever? I went to the New England Patriots game. What does a fan look like? <laughs> it looks like me. You, you know, I, like, like, when you go to a game... I've just been watching the NCAA games and it's unbelievable. You have 80-year-old grandmothers screaming and hollering. When you go to the Patriots games, it's 20 below zero with the wind and men have don't even have their shirts on and they have the war paint on and they're screaming and yelling because that is appropriate when you love something that much. But so often it is. In the body of Christ, in New England and in the United States, we are a. It's great to be theologically conservative, but that doesn't work in a marriage, because in a marriage you got to be crazy for your wife. You got to be crazy for your your husband. I mean, if you if you love your kids, you demonstrate that. You, You you hug them. You you tackle your son. You 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 give your daughter a hug and a kiss, because kids have to feel this love. Husbands and wives need to know they're appreciated. You know who really needs to know he's appreciated? God needs to know he's appreciated. Because the pastor of this little boy, who's, he was trying to reach out to him. You know, he, he, he used different types of music because he was doing everything to reach Johnny because Johnny was just so sad. See, he was so sad that during this movie, when it came time to talk about your mother and father and your family tree, the kids would open up a book and and on one side would be where their mom came from, another side would be where their dad came from, and um, so when they called on John, they asked him, and he he said, I, "I'm not prepared. I i, I didn't I, I didn't feel like uh, writing anything," and the teacher did not. And understand why and she said Johnny yesterday is not ours to recover but tomorrow is ours to win or lose a quote from Lyndon Baines Johnson brothers and sisters I don't know what you and I have not done for Christ that we should have done for Christ but you know what Yesterday is not ours to recover. It's gone. It's history. You and I can never get it back. But today and tomorrow is yours and ours to win or lose. And so Johnny was uh, distressed about this whole situation. So he went out with his friends, and it was kind of a day like today, and there was ice on the pond. And he and he went out there. It was Martin Luther King's day. They had the day off. And the owner of the restaurant said, no, boys, don't go out there. It's dangerous. You know, when you're 14 years old, you don't worry about anything. I didn't. He was 14. He didn't listen to his mother. I didn't listen to my mother when I was 14. I thought I'd live forever. You know what happened to me? I was hit by a car. My head went right through the windshield. I I came out miraculously And I should have died, and I knew I was not a Christian. I knew I was going to hell. You may be watching this program and thinking you're going to live for another 10 or 20, 30 years. Please, don't change the dial. Stay right where you are, because that's the bad news, but the good news is coming. And so we think that when we're young, sometimes when we're even 40, 50, 6 years old, we've got lots of time to spare. Johnny went out and didn't listen to his mom, didn't listen to the owner of the restaurant, and they were frolicking and having fun. Right in the middle of the pond, the owner's crying out to him, don't, please come back. I'll be right back. All three boys fell through the ice, fighting for their lives, crying out to God, trying not to cling on each other to drown each other. They're pulling each other up. The man calls uh, 911. The EMTs come to rescue these three drowning boys. And as they're getting up, trying to get up and out of the, the water, slipping on the ice, one of the boys, by mistakes, hits Johnny in the chin, knocks him out. You know, when you get hit into the mental foramen. I'm a dental hygienist. That's where I deliver anesthesia. When you're a boxer, my father was, you hit someone right here. And they're gone. Johnny went underwater and drowned. This is not supposed to be happening to my son. The mom gets a call. You need to go to the hospital. Why? Your son has been rushed to the hospital. They pulled. Now, in the middle of this, they couldn't find John. And atheist EMT goes to this situation, and they've been there for minutes. The other EMTs leave, and they said, this is not a rescue. This is a recovery. The EMT is not a Christian. He's an atheist. And as they, the others have left, he hears this voice, stay in the water, go back. He looks around. There's no one talking to him. God was talking to an atheist. God made a donkey talk. God can talk to someone who hates God. And while he's in the water, he fishes out Johnny. He can't even believe he found him because he was about 30 feet deep. He's he's an atheist, and he's astonished as they bring him up and give him CPR. They bring him into the ambulance. They bring him into the hospital. There, a born-again Christian doctor is waiting. It's a doctor who is a member of Johnny's church? They're the nurses and the and the anesthesiologists, and everyone's doing everything. Boom, boom, boom. They they apply all sorts of uh pads to him, and they're not able to bring him back, and he dies. 45 minutes he has not. It's like the New England church. These are the greatest churches that ever existed. New England is the most famous area in the history of Christianity. You know why? I preached in a mega, a mega place called Heath, Massachusetts. There are more squirrels than people. And yet the gospel was so famous in New England, Heath was not without a church. Not without, It had three thriving churches. Where so many of the people were saved. He represented all of New England in the 16, 17, 1800s. Satan hates New England. And New England Christianity is like, Johnny, we've gone through the ice. We are day Not everyone in Christian churches don't, 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 don't be offended. What I'm saying is. This is an emergency, and we need a great move of God. And so the mother goes to the hospital. This is someone who adopted Johnny. God has adopted us. And as God as God sent this mother to love that boy like that boy could never have been loved. You know, mothers, when you bring a child into the world... <laughs> You've, you've carried this child for nine months. You've, you've nurtured this child. But if you could not give birth and you adopted somebody, what a special person you are, that, 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 you, that you adopted someone, took care of someone. God has adopted us. And so they tell this mother in the ER, we did everything we could. Mom, we did everything we could. We'll let you stay here as long as you need. And so all the nurses... Everybody is weeping as they walk out the room. Angels in heaven, so to speak, are weeping when they look down at American Christianity. We are not what we used to be. You've heard that that, that baseball term, yesterday's home run doesn't win today's ball game. What we used to be and what we are are two different things. And... And this lady remembers something that Beth that was said during a Beth Moore um, Bible study that she was leading. Beth Moore said that when women pray, they need to cry out mightily to God. And in the greatest, most stressful a moment of this wonderful mother's life, she sees the love of her life dead on a hospital bed. Jesus has been watching the New England church slowly dying. Oh, Johnny said, uh, don't worry about us. We've been saying here for 150 years. It's a, we're famous. We've sent missionaries to every continent except Antarctica. Maybe we sent them there too. We're all set. We're, we're, we're good. We experienced the first and second great awakenings, haystack revival. Jonathan, we got more Christian history per square mile than here than the whole world com- combined. And we, like Johnny, went through the water. And so there's this, this boy. And here we are. But that's the bad news. The great news is the Bible says... The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous woman and a righteous man avails much. And so that mother remembers the the urging of Beth Moore, and she cries out, Spirit of the living God, breathe your breath in my son. Bang, the moment she finished the prayer, that boy who was dead for 45 minutes comes back to life. Can I get an amen? You know what? Satan hated Johnny, and Satan hates everybody. But man, does he hate Christians. And boy, does he ever hate the churches of Jesus in New England. Because from this place, the hospitals, missionaries went all over the world and transformed the world. If you were Satan, where would you want to go to to give the church of Jesus a, a nosebleed? New England. Because if New England churches ever get set on fire in unhinged for Jesus, listen, if Christians in New England could ever grasp the tremendous love of God, the adopting love of God, listen, what did it cost God the Father to adopt you? The death of his precious son. My God, if I could wrap my little puny mind that God loved me and God loves you so much that, he, that the Spirit of God has injected and, Im, and embedded in you gifts that Jesus died to give you. you. You and I would never live our Christian life ever like we've been living it. We would trash this thing called Christ, that we think Christianity, and we would go all out for Jesus. Like, like, like we would run for Jesus like a man with his pants on fire. And so this woman, her prayers, God answers, and they take this boy to the world's famous, we're going to get back into the word, this is a long illustration, stay with me now. They bring the boy to a specialist. He's the world-renowned uh, doctor on drowning And this man says, I have never seen anything like this in my entire life. Everything here is catastrophic. I've never seen. His lungs are full of blood. And I don't even know if I can do anything to help him. But but, but a mother's love, amen? How many of you are mothers? Raise your hand. I almost put my hand. up. I'm sorry. How many of you are mothers or grandmothers, or great-grandma? Nobody loves you like, a, like your noni or like your grandma or great-grandma. But that woman, she said to the doctor, I want you to do my best, your best for my son Johnny, and I'll pray, and we'll see what God can do. You know what? As an evangelist and a pastor, uh, um, my wife's been a, a Christian teacher many years. We love the Christians in New England. So, so don't take this as a fanny whooping because that, that's not what it is. What this is, is I want us to see Christianity through the eyes of the pilgrims, through the eyes of the 30,000 Christians that left Europe to come to New England. I want us to go back into our mind's eye and look at our Christian life through the eyes of men and women who lived centuries before us in the cities and towns that we had the privilege of living And I want us to experience the commitment and revival and Holy Ghost living that they experience. Because if and when we do, no one's going to recognize us anymore. They're going to call you and I Jesus freaks. And so this man says, we're going to do everything we can. So they put him in a coma. They put him in a coma, but then his brain starts swelling. Finally, the doctor says, we've done all we could for your son. And so the mother says, well, then take him off of everything. The world-renowned specialist says, what? Well, wasn't it God who answered my prayer and brought him back to life? Yeah. Well, take him off of everything, and he's going to have to fight for his own life. Brothers and sisters, you and I have been on life support for much of our Christian life. What are you talking about, Pastor? (laughs) Bible study, women's group, this, that, all those things are wonderful. But there comes a time in a man's life, a woman's life, a child's life, a teenager's life. Listen to me. Where we've got to go after God with every ounce of strength that the Spirit of God gives us. I can't lean on my brother, my sister. It's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, standing in the need of change, standing in the need of revival. I need to change. Rocky said, If I could change, you could change, everybody could change. Change needs to come. like a a tsunami wave over the Christians of New England. And so they take Johnny off the respirator. Outside, all the kids from the Christian school are crying out to God, and they're singing a song, Oceans by Hillsong. They're singing at the top of their lungs, and Johnny begins to start weeping. Signs of life when Christians pray for their local churches when they when they go ah, extravagant when they're not ashamed to do whatever it takes for their local church and their county and family of churches. Do you know what happens? God hears prayer, God hears singing, God, but the Bible says bottles all our tears in the book of Psalms. God heard the prayer of his sort of, you know, almost girlfriend, saw all the kids crying out to God. This was on national television. TV reporters were saying, please pray for Johnny. They're taking him off of everything. And so now we come to the end of the illustration. Johnny all of a sudden has everything taken away from him. And he starts flailing like this in the bed. And the mom says, Johnny, we need you. God's got a plan for you. God's going to call on your life. Johnny, fight for your own life. So Johnny wakes up. But before he opens his eyes, he thinks he's at the bottom of the lake with water filling his lungs. So he begins In his mind, he's swimming to the top. My God, if every Christian in New England would swim to the top of their call and what God has called us to do and be. Johnny's swimming up. All of a sudden, he's on the bed. (gasps) He sits up. And all the specialists are blown away. This has never happened in the history. Satan wanted Johnny dead. Satan wants Christians in New England dead because we are the most famous Christians outside of the martyrs of the Roman Empire. We're living in a Christian museum, but we've taken for granted the blessings of God that are ours, the the heritage that we have. You and I have to fight like Johnny, to come back to life. Let's get into the passage. We have 10 minutes left. Okay, so five things need to happen in a person, in a Christian's life. Five things have to happen that will cause you and I to experience a breakthrough that will break us out of lethargy. And listen to me. Break us out of embarrassment or what others could think of us. Some of us want to go all out for Jesus, but we'll say, man, the the sister in the pew next to me will think I'm I'm, I'm ready to go to a mental institution. Because all I talk about, think about is souls and how to win them. Oh, by the way, Johnny went back to class. Then he went to another class called Bible College serving God in the ministry and as a basketball coach. You see, when God revives you, you cannot be the same. You never go back to what you used to be. So uh, we need to be broken into or broken up. Um, In um, Isaiah chapter 6, God begins to appear to Isaiah. And so God, uh, the, the Bible says in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, that we need to be broken up. We need to be broken up. Break up the fallow ground. Break up the disease-sick ground of your hearts. I'm preaching to myself. The rest of us can listen. But there are things in my life and in our lives where God wants to take the plow of the word of God, and the Holy Spirit wants to rip a furrow right through your heart. Because he he wants the heart soft again like when you first gave your life to Jesus and all you could think about and tell others about was Jesus and you didn't give a, a, a flipping Barnum and Bailey who got offended. God wants you to have a soft baby heart like when you first gave your heart to Jesus. He wants your heart to be broken up. I had a heart attack 11 years ago Yes, a a, a cross-country runner, a jock like me, had a heart attack. You know why? My arteries were blocked up. I needed a surgeon to to, to, to surgically remove the plaque in my coronary arteries and put in two stents. You know what happened when they did that? I got off the table, and I felt 30 years younger, and I've never been the same again. Good God Almighty, when God begins to plow through things in your mind and in your heart, plow up the fallow ground. When you're a farmer, you plow up the dirt so you can get rid of rocks, you get rid of roots, you get rid of things that prevent fruit in your life. What are we talking about? We're talking about repentance. We're talking about, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. We're talking about brothers and sisters that we need to get back and do business with Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, rip a furrow right through me and put in a soft heart. The second thing we need, we don't need to just be broken up. We need to be broken into. Now, that might sound scary because nobody you never want someone to break into your house. But Jesus wants to break into us. When God reveals himself to us by his word, we need to be shaken to the core like the posts of the doors of heaven were. The angel said, holy, holy, holy. Every time they said holy, the, the tremendous post. The Bible says in Isaiah, to this one will I give heed, to him who trembles My God, when you read the Bible, do you and I tremble at the word of God? Does it rip through me? Do I see visions of what God wants to do in our life to reach souls, workers, neighbors, family? God pays attention to those who pay attention to when he's speaking. My wife was a teacher. She she used to get a little bell. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, you. Are you listening to me? One of the students. Are you? Hey, you paying attention. You listening? God is like, when I talk to you, are you listening? Especially me, I talk a lot, you know, being Italian. God has to really, hey, Renzo, are you listening to me? Because I want to change you. I don't want you being so much like you. I want you being like my son Jesus. He wants to break into us. The third thing he wants to do in in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 4 and 7, he wants... Us to be broken down, you know. When when he saw God, it, he knew this. If nobody can see God and live, but God kept him alive, though he saw a vision of God high and lifted up. God, he said, "Woe is me! I'm done. Here I am. Rest in peace. Throw a tomb on me. They're gonna have my funeral any moment." God keeps him alive. <gasps> How many times have you and I almost died, but then God kept us alive? What did he keep us alive for? To get a social security check? He kept us alive to turn the world upside down for Christ, amen? amen. He, so he, we need to be broken uh, through, We broken up, broken down, and we need to be broken out. Jesus has broken into your life to set you free, to break out. How many of you watched the movie Zorro? Zorro. The second Zorro, the handsome guy, was trained and mentored. You and I had been trained and mentored by many pastors. How many brothers and sisters have come into your life and have invested their lives, and we are what we are because of brothers and sisters in our local church, People we met at Bible camp and at at VBS or what. Listen, God didn't send those people into our lives so that we would not be like them. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 2:2 that we should, the God wants us to replicate what has been poured into our lives. And so, Zorro, here's the story of little kids. Any little kids in the house today? Who's the child today? Raise your hand. There you go. So, so Zorro goes into California and they have prisoners, their children working in the gold mines. Zorro risks his life to set hundreds of them free. You know what? Jesus gave his life to set every one of us free. Amen? Every one of us have been forgiven and free because Jesus came and he, he broke out, he, he broke into our life so that we would be free to break out. God wants to do something in our life today because you know why? He wants to bring you to a level you've never been before in your Christian life. Now, you know what I'm talking about. Don't give me the, the Urkel look. How many times have you spoken to your kids or your grandkids and you know and you knew that they knew what you were talking about, but they didn't want to listen. They heard your words, but they never listened. How many times has God spoken to us, but we never listened? We heard, but there was no change in our life. God wants us to break forth. You know why? Because God wants to ask us a question. Will we go where God sends us? When the Spirit of God talks to you about talking to somebody about Jesus, do you do, you, do you do that? Or is it, I'll pray for you. Well, people die every day. Prayer is good, but how about a gospel track? How about a testimony? How about, a, a one, how about, how about just tell them, give them a little testimony where you are and where you are. It doesn't cost you any money to tell, tell people what Jesus has done for you. God wants us to break forth. Uh, Isaiah volunteers in verse 8. He says this. He answers the question. He answers the call. Will you answer the call? God is saying to us as I come to a conclusion in this sermon, whom will I send? Who's going to go for us? Us. Sounds like uh, the early uh, chapter of Genesis, Genesis 3, early chapters. Us is a Trinity: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is asking every one of us, every every Christian who's watching this program, will you go for me? Who's going to go for me? I don't know if you ever watched the Godfather, the movie, the Godfather. You know, and they send out they send out the guy. I want you to take care of my business. God is saying to us, I want you to take care of my business. You're alive and breathing my good oxygen because i have people in your life that need to know about my son that i gave on purpose and i and he was slain for you because i loved you lastly will you answer the call of god on your life because when you do when you do you will experience a life transforming revival at the end of the movie johnny goes back to the place where he almost died I've been back to the place where I almost died on Plumtree Road many times, and I stand right there. And every day when I wake up, I say, God, Father, thank you that I didn't die and go to hell. And you know what the Spirit of God says to me? Who will go for me? And I say every day, I will go for you. I will tell somebody about you, Jesus. He's asking you, will you go for me? Isaiah said, I'm going to go. Throughout Christian history, God has used a remnant of radically transformed uh, people to transform society by reaching the lost in response to a life-changing vision of God's call on your life that produced powerful revivals. God has a call on every person's life. Now watch this. It's great to come to chapel, and please continue. But Jesus said, Occupy till I come. He didn't mean occupy a pew. He meant, I want to occupy you. Johnny dedicated his life to Jesus because Jesus saved his life. Will you, as we close today, will you rededicate your life to Jesus? Will you say, because of what you have done for me, because of what you did for me, I am now going to draw the line in the sand. I'm walking over to the other side. Heaven or high water, I'm going to rededicate my life to Jesus. Let's bow our heads with every eye closed and uh, every head bowed. The doctor said of Johnny, Patient died. Mother prayed. Patient came back to life. I am praying. Your pastor is praying. Older brothers and sisters all over this region are praying. The Church of New England died, but we are praying. The Church of New England will come back to life again. Father, I pray right now that with every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's anyone here that wants to rededicate their life to the service of their Savior and saying, you know, I don't know how much... Longer I've got to live, Jesus, but as long as you give me breath, in, in in whatever capacity you want me to serve you, I'm gonna think outside the box. I'm gonna get outside my my mind now that you've plowed right through me and given me a new heart today, Lord. In whatever calling you call me, I'm gonna I'm gonna serve you. I'm gonna I'm gonna step up like Isaiah. I'm gonna answer the call. If that's you today, please raise your hand. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I pray that uh, you'd bless this message and our fellowship afterward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.